Good to see all of you out this evening. We're glad that you're here with us. Tonight's lesson is, as I, I mentioned this morning, a very interesting lesson. For those of you that weren't here this morning, uh, I was telling that uh, some time ago, several months ago, or maybe even years, I, I put on a, a list of mine. I keep a list of sermon ideas. I put on this list, I wonder how many, many important things happened on a roof. And I looked at that, and it, it's been at the top of my list for a long time, so I got to doing some research on it. And I, I looked up the word roof, and I found some different things that applied and how they related, and I finished the sermon, and so now I'm going to present it to you tonight. Now, Brother Hugh shared with me a joke. <laughs> You're already laughing. <laughs> Maybe you've heard it before. But uh, he said that there is a, a man that, and I may not tell this exactly right to you, but there is a man, and uh, he asked a friend of his to, to keep his cat. He went on a, a vacation, and, and the cat was very important to him, but he, he, he talked his friend into keeping it for him. And so he's on vacation, and he calls his friend, and he says, hey, he has the, the cat. It's dead. What? What do you mean? Couldn't you have prepared me? Couldn't you have said that, that maybe he was on the roof and, and he jumped off? Well, yeah. Cat. My cat. Well, how's Aunt Rose? She's on the roof. <laughs> May not be the best, but anyway. <laughs> Alright. So to get to our lesson for tonight... Deliverance from the roof. There are several examples in the Bible of God delivering His children from certain trials that they were facing. We have several times where Israel was delivered time and time again from captivity of rival nations. When God would see their repentance, He would deliver them from their enemies. We have many examples of God delivering people from their sins. Uh, those that were obedient to the plan of salvation in the New Testament, those who did His will were delivered from their sin. And as we look at the, the Old Testament, we see that there are several examples of God's deliverance. And three of the stories in particular take place on a roof. With the roof as our focal point, we will study and learn what we can from these men and women who were delivered from the roof. So as we go through this lesson, we'll start out on someone's roof. We'll begin with the roof of Rahab. Two spies were sent from the people of Israel to spy out the land of Jericho, the land around them and especially the land of Jericho. And upon coming to the city, they were hidden in the house of Rahab, who we find was a harlot. But if you'll turn to Joshua chapter 2, this is where this really begins. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1. Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. 
And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. She said, so she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. Verse 6, But she had brought them up to the roof, and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. As soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. Skipping to verse 12. It says, Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house. And give me a true token, and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you. So a plan was made that Rahab should bind a scarlet cord in the window, the same scarlet cord that the spies had been let down by. And anyone in her house at that time would be spared from the destruction of Jericho. Now we jump to Joshua chapter 6. We read that, that Jericho is delivered into the hands of Israel. Verse 1 of Joshua 6 says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow their, the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before him. In verse 20 we see that all of this came to pass. And it says in verse 20, So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout. that The wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city. Every man straight before him. And they took the city. 
and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Now notice what we read here in verse 22. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. In verse 25, And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day, the day of this writing, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Because Rahab had hidden the spies, and because of her faith, as we read in Hebrews 11 and verse 31, she was delivered from death and destruction, as well as all of her father's household. All that were in the house with her were saved. And it began on the roof. But now we go to a different roof. This time we go to the roof of the Philistines. Now Samson is an interesting person. He was an interesting judge to me because he made many mistakes. Uh, there were things that he did that, that he should not have done and especially when he dealt with Delilah and, and told her his secret uh, about his Nazarite vow that we'll read about in a moment. We see that he made many mistakes, but nevertheless, Samson was one of the judges of Israel. In Judges 15 and verse 20, it says that he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. He had great strength. And we understand from Scripture that his strength was provided to him by God. However, when Delilah found that his strength was in his Nazarite vow not to cut his hair, that's exactly what she did. She had someone come in and cut the seven locks of his head. And we see that he is captured by his enemies. But we pick up with the story in Judges chapter 16. In verse 21. Judges 16 and verse 21. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their god and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, the one who multiplied our dead. 
Verse 25. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me fill the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. Verse 28, Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. O God, that I may be that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple. And he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistine. And he pushed. With all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. And yes, we look at this and see that Samson died with the Philistines, but he had also been delivered. They were his enemies, they were the enemies of Israel. And we see that, that by this great act of strength that God provided him with, he was able to destroy more than he had destroyed in his life. He was delivered from their service, from their ridicule, from their mockery. Samson was delivered. Let's go to another roof. The roof of David. This is a story that we know very well. We understand that David's idle time led him to the roof of his house at night. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and beginning with verse 1 says this. 2 Samuel 11 verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Now, I think most of us would agree that David probably should have been in battle with his men. But for whatever reason, he had chosen to stay in Jerusalem. And in verse 2, it says that it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. Someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to her house. And the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, 
I am with child. Now seeing her bathing, his first mistake was to inquire about her. His first mistake was to linger. And especially when he inquired about her and found out that she was the wife of another, he should have turned his attention away. But he did not. He brought her into his house. He laid with her. And a child was conceived. Now to cover up this random pregnancy, as people would have seen it, the pregnancy of Bathsheba, whose husband was away, David was led to sin yet again. Continue into verse 6 of 2 Samuel chapter 11. It says, Then David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing, and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house. And a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house because he had refused to go home to his wife. David's plot was not a very good one. It was not going his way. And so David made another plot. He made a plot to have him killed. We pick up with verse 14, chapter 11. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. Basically, Uriah carried his own death notice to Joab. Verse 15, And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him, that he may be struck down and die. So it was. While Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab. And some of the people of the servants of David fell. And Uriah the Hittite died also. Even though he had not done it physically himself, David had basically set Uriah up for murder. He committed the sin by plotting against him in the way that he did something that was deserving of death. In the next chapter we read that Nathan comes to David. In verse 1 of chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, it says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him but he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. 
And he shall restore fourfold for the land because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Verse 7, Nathan said to David, You are the man. You are the man. David, realizing his wrong, said in verse 13 to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. David's sin was not counted against him because of his repentance. God did not take his life as he deserved. One of his prayers following the revelation of his sin is recorded in Psalm 51. We won't take the time to read it. But it's a beautiful prayer of repentance. We see that David, even though he committed this great sin against God, first the sin of adultery, he took a wife that was not his own, we see that he had her husband killed. He tried to lie to get out of his mistakes. But even so, David was later referred to as a man after God's own heart. Acts 13 and verse 22. And when he had removed him, Saul, he raised up for them David as king. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Yes, David made his mistakes. But we see that God did not count them against him because of his penitence. God's will was accomplished through David and Jesus was later born into his lineage as we read in Matthew 1 and verse 6 and Luke 3 and verse 31. David had been delivered from his sin. The sin that began by simply walking on his roof. Now there are other stories and I could go on at least two or three more maybe of things that happen on a roof. But we'll stop there for the moment at least. And let's notice that in each of these stories, in each of the instances that we were talking about, they began on a roof. And we see that God's love and care for His people was evident in deliverance. God cared for Rahab for her faith. He cared for the spies and allowed her to rescue them from destruction of her home city. He allowed her to be rescued from the destruction of her home city. The spies were able to escape. We see deliverance in this story. We see that God also cared for Samson. Though he made many mistakes, he gave him the strength to overcome his enemies in the end. We see that God cared for David even though he had sinned against him and granted him mercy and redemption. 
As we look in scriptures, we see that despite who we are or what we have become, God still cares for us and will deliver us from our trials. You know, there are many things that we face, and one of the the things that we face the most is temptation. But we know that God can deliver us from our temptations. We see that Jesus was able to overcome facing all the temptations that we face. And we're told this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, even when tempted, even when we face this great trial in our lives, God allows us the ability to overcome. He allows us the ability to be delivered. Jesus even taught us to pray for deliverance in His model prayer in Matthew 6, and beginning with verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And when we pray, we can trust that God will provide what is best for us in each situation that we face. Going back to our scripture reading, following the withering of the fig tree, we read this in Mark 11 and verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. When we ask, we need to ask with faith. Faith that he will provide for us. Faith that he knows what is best. Even when we ask for things that that we think are best and don't receive them, we need to have faith. That God knows what is best for us. And finally, ultimately, we understand that God will deliver us in eternity. Jesus spoke these words in John chapter 14. Words of comfort to his disciples. John 14 verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I 
am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, we understand that God will deliver us. No matter what we face in this life, no matter how difficult the things that we see, we understand that God will deliver us from them. Whether it be temptation, God will deliver us. He's told us that we're not going to be allowed to face anything that we can't handle, spiritually speaking. Whether it be in, in trial or difficulty of different kinds, we have comfort in knowing that whatever we're facing now will one day be over. One day we will be rewarded for our faith. We will be rewarded for our obedience. We know that one day we will be in heaven with God in His presence. Never to face any of those trials that, that we face here on earth. No more tears, no more pain, no more sickness, no more death. All those things we passed away because we have been delivered. I don't know where you stand. Maybe you're not a Christian. You need to obey the gospel. Maybe you know what you need to do. You know, we're told in scriptures that by faith we need to be obedient in confession, in repentance, and in baptism for the remission of sins. We need to continue to live a faithful life. Maybe it is that you've not done that. Maybe you need to return to the Lord's service, rededicate your life to Him. Maybe you need prayers on your behalf. But whatever your need is, if there's anything that we can do to help you, we give you the opportunity to come. Let's together we stand and as we sing.